Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 223. And today's episode isn't going to be breed specific or purpose specific necessarily or anything else. It's going to be a talk about uh, correction philosophy. And that is when you're training an animal for anything, including just daily life around the house, people have a lot of very strong ideas or are fed a lot of, of this is absolutely correct information on how to correct their dog for bad behavior or how do you change a dog's behavior. And this applies to, again, a dog around the house, you know, how do you keep them from peeing in the living room to you know, running a, a blind retrieve that's 400 yards long that you have to get in a piece of water 380 yards out there. So how do you, how do we uh, interact with our dogs in a teaching mode and fixing and changing the behaviors that we want to change? And I, I just want to talk about that. Again, more to give you food for thought than to tell you this is exactly what you do. Because I, this is a topic I feel that we really, really should, really should uh, think through before we do anything with our dogs, including getting little puppies. I've had a bunch of questions uh, lately uh, about little puppies and young dogs. And so people have gone several months basically not teaching, intentionally teaching the dog anything, unintentionally teaching them all kinds of stuff that they're not happy with and not knowing where it's coming from or what to do about it. And so they, they want to know how to fix this stuff. And the problem isn't that they need to fix it. They need to fix themselves and understand the whole dynamics uh, first on how this problem was created uh, before you can really, truly, effectively go and address it. So I just want to get people to take a big step back in the philosophy of just interacting with our animals and uh, just some thoughts about the whole training process. So correction is a term that people like because that's we're, we're correcting something, right? We have this behavior A and we need to fix it and change it to behavior B. And so how do we correct this thing? I, I, I'm going to say instead of that, let's talk about just first evaluating what is this dog doing? What, what's happening right here? That, that's the, and I don't, I don't mean just go, he's peeing on a rug. What do you mean? What is he doing? It, let's take it a step back and say if he's peeing on the rug or he's barking or he's jumping on people or it's not taking the casts that you give it when you're running blind retrieves or it, it keeps breaking on the line. It keeps doing all this stuff that you don't like. I'm going to say, speaking from the dog's side of this, that for the vast majority of them, when they are doing this, it is because they believe it's okay. They really do. Now, yes, you got, just like you got some rogue people, you got rogue dogs that just really don't give a flip what you want or how you, what you do. There are some dogs like that. I have, I have worked with some of those. That's pretty rare, but they are there. And so the way people approach their animals when they're engaging with them in whatever way is generally the way with which they were engaged as young people and going through life. 
So, for example, in my own my own nuclear family, me growing up, my brother was one that that I think he got spankings and stuff like that. I, I never got one because that was the last thing I needed. All he had to do is explain something to me, and that was good. My brother, he had to kind of thump him. If he and he's he's the smartest one of all of us kids. But for some reason, there was something in him that unless he knew that something he really didn't want to have happen was going to happen to him, he'd do whatever he wanted, lived his whole life, died that way. And so I would imagine that his interactions with, you know, animals that he had and people that he knew were, you know, like, hey, if I don't thump them, they aren't going to do what I want because that's how he saw the world. And of course, I'm the exact opposite don't thump me because I'll just lay down in a hump and you'll get nothing here. It, so I don't, that's never been my tendency. And that's why in my work with animals, I don't go with a, well, let's just show them who's boss thing right off. But we all, and that's not always the best, but it's, it's who I am and what I am. And I'm aware of that. And I am aware of its occasional limitations. And the people that have to, you know, I'll just show you who's boss and you have to do that tend to interact with their dogs that way as well because it's what they know and it's what they understand that's what they relate to so we all do that uh, in some form or another with our animals when we interact with them whether we're aware of it whether we think about it whether we give a hoot about it that's what we do to be as effective as you can possibly be with your animal in whatever form you're taking them and what I don't care if you got a chihuahua or a Norwegian elk hound the the way to be most effective just like if we were teaching you something would be to understand where this animal is coming from to understand what their perspective is and no it's not as hard as people who haven't ever really engaged in that think it is but what it does take is a little bit, uh, no, a lot of awareness and observation and non-judgment. All that stuff. That's hard to do. It's very hard for some people because that's how they do everything. Everything, they judge everything. They, have, they give it eight seconds and after that they move on to the next thing and they make a judgment on it and then we proceed. And our busy, busy, busy world is certainly that way. Our animals are not. So if you want to understand, I don't care if you're, you have a puppy that's peeing on a rug in the living room or you're having difficulty on, you know, big blinds and technical things far out in them. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, it, it's, it's important that you, um, hold on one second, I gotta take a short break here. Before I lose my, there we go. Okay, before I, I'm sorry about that. Oh, I hate when that happens. Wish I had a staff here that fixed those things. Anyway, we have to understand where our dog is coming from. Now they tell us, it's just that we've never really paid a lot of attention. So let's take a puppy peeing on the rug. I don't care what kind of dog, you know, and you have just tried and tried and tried and done what the book said and what your trainer at the local 
you know, neighborhood dog training place said, and your dog's still peeing on the rug. So perhaps if you took a step back, one, look at the breed. Is it the kind of breed that tends to want to please you? Or is it the kind of breed that doesn't give a hoot? All right. That's going to alter the very nature of the breed itself is going to alter perhaps how you approach this. Um, that's just how it is. You know, you get a big old dog that's geared to be an outdoor dog that doesn't really, isn't really a house dog, but we got them in the house. And so they don't really think about keeping these tiny areas real clean. So we might have to undertake a different approach to them to a, a dog that is more of a domesticated indoor kind of a thing that does want to keep its own area clean, you know, because that's where it always stays. So evaluating the dog that you have, the breed that you have, and if it's a mixed breed, the breeds, if you can, that this dog came from, factor in. Always. That includes German Shepherds, that includes Poodles, that includes Pit Bulls, that includes Weimaraners. Every functional kind of dog is bred for certain purposes, and those are going to factor in the character of the dog and the perspective of the dog. So that's the first easy way to understand your dog a little bit better. Then when you watch it, if your dog, we're going to use the peeing on the rug thing. This isn't a how to keep your dog from peeing on the rug podcast, but I want to use that as an example. So you watch your dog. It always pees on the rug right before you're getting ready to take it outside. You know, how maddening is that? How, you know, look at what that dog, that dog is intentionally doing this to drive me crazy. No, you know, no, nobody wants you mad. There's nobody, nobody wants you mad <laughs> that has to live with you all the time, right? They would like you happy and easy to get along with. So rule that one out on, and I, all of them. Nobody wants to suffer uh, bad consequences. Nobody really enjoys that. And so puppies and little dogs and big dogs do not do that. So understand that. That's just common sense, right? They don't want to get you mad. Just like in the retriever world, when people are talking about handling and working with their dogs and they're all in the, the old, oh, that dog's just giving you the finger. You know, 99.9% .9 of the time, no, they're not. You know, they don't want you to get the electric collar on and get mad, right? No, they don't want that. They're not doing things for that end. So these dogs are doing something, thinking it's okay, or at least going, I don't know what else to do, so I'll do this. So you haven't actually worked out a process through which they understand how this works in a system and what they need to do. It is always that. I'll argue that with anybody. So your little dog pees right before you get want to go outside. So it's been inside for, uh, you're training it, right? So not real long, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe half hour. Maybe you got on the phone and got busy or watched some online thing and it's been an hour. And so you get up because you're going, I need to take the little dog out. So you get up and the dog knows, sees that you're getting up and walking toward the door, right? Get, walking toward the door. So... <laughs> It's anxiety, you know, and it's been in there for an hour now and it really needs to pee and it's getting exciting and it's a little dog. And so what often happens with that is, is that they, they pee because they're excited. You know, all the muscles constrict. It's exciting. It, you know, that happens. It's like little, little tiny kids. It works that way. 
and then they pee because they're going to go outside. Oh, darn pee. Hurry, let's go outside. It wasn't an intentional thing. They did not do it to make you mad. You can, you can, that's, if you just think about it and watch that and don't assume evil intentions or gross stupidity on the dog, a lot of times you can work that stuff out. So instead of going an hour, there's so many ways. This isn't about how to train that stuff. But then have them, when they're in the house for a while, put them in a little crate. And they probably aren't going to go in there. Then when you're getting ready to take them out, go get your shoes on, put your jacket on, do whatever. Go get the dog in the crate. Pick it up. Take it outside. So then when it's all excited, it pees outside. And with a few, you know, repetitions of that kind of thing, then you can prevent that thing that you think is so terrible and need to correct by actually providing the opportunity to show it exactly how to do it. That is almost always the answer to everything is show them what it is they need to do and not by expectation but by literally making what needs to have happen happen. And with little puppies that's very easy because you can no matter how big of a breed you can pick them up. The crate thing, always a good idea. To have a dog that is able to get into an appropriately sized dog crate does not have to be huge. That is not humane. Just one where they can stand up, turn around, and sit down. Have a crate for every single dog in the planet so they learn sometimes I go in there and I just cool my jets. There's a billion reasons that that's going to be good. If you ever board them, if you ever have them at the vet, and they have to be confined and somewhere away from you, it's really nice if they already know how to do that. And the crate on the housebreaking and bad habit thing is a powerful tool to use, right? So, but what you're doing, and I'm talking about the philosophical thing, is we are teaching these dogs how to, what, how it, what it is that we want to do. So then that's the whole, you know, they can't, if you don't do that, then they can't know. And if you're mad at them, then their life becomes just watching you get real mad and life goes really bad for a while. And then you move on to different things and then life gets better for a while and oh, geez, he's mad. And they have no idea why. And people have this automatic assumption that dogs should know stuff. That dogs should figure out, dogs should not want to urinate in their own house. You know, some don't. Matter of fact, real young ones absolutely don't. Their body just does what it does. So, you know, it takes a while before they begin to noodle that together. And if you just provide the opportunities for them to learn how to do stuff, then that's what they're going to learn to do. And if they're smart, they'll pick it up on fast. And if they're a little slower, it'll take more time and repetition. It is that simple. So on all the other things that we do when we're training dogs, you know, whether it's fundamental obedience, again, something every single dog breed in the planet needs to know. Well, let me take a step back before I do that one. I, I was talking about the crate stuff. And I know some people just find a crate to be a cage. How would you like it if I put you in a cage? And okay, I'm not a dog. So if I understood the purpose of this cage and I understood, you know, what its role in my life and how I relate to it, um, I'd be fine with it. As a human, no, not really, um, because that's, uh, we're two different species. It's not the same thing. So when you crate train 
a little dog, which is easiest from the very beginning, <laughs> before they even know to be afraid, before they learn certain things, before they learn all kind of stuff that you don't want, everybody, teach them all the stuff you do want. That is the secret to everything. To, I mean, everything, including the advanced heart stuff or getting your little baby chihuahua. Teach them what you want. And the crate from young to old is one of the most powerful things you have to do that. So, because that's going to help you in housebreaking. That's going to help you in, you got to go to the vet for the weekend. Or, you know, you're going to have to get spayed or neutered. So you're going to have to be confined for a little bit or whatever. So make that never be a difficulty by teaching your little eight week old puppies been outside you know had is eaten had went outside air emptied their little intestines and bladder for the time being and then put them in a crate so because you, you know they're going to be sleepy and take a nap right they make some noise they'll get over it because they will if it nets them nothing eventually they will stop so that's not a hard one you got to win that one with an eight-week-old puppy, it's just not that hard, even if they're howlers, until they learn, you know, when I'm tired or when I got to rest or when it's just quiet time, I go in there and I sleep or chew on my toy or my bone or whatever. And so they learn that, and it's not a negative thing. So then later on, as you're trying to, for example, house break or teach them sometimes that they got to be on their own, which all dogs, all dogs should know, even if you own four of them, it creates where you do that. And if you teach them from the beginning, they never think it's terrible. If you do, on the other hand, you got a 18-month-old dog, you got to teach to get in the crate. You know, some of them are fine, others are not. Put their dinner bowl in there and say, if you want to eat, that's where you're going to do it. It's a real nice way to get them going on that kind of thing. Sometimes, you know, you throw a dog biscuit in there and they'll go. But if you do that soon, people there is zero issues with it so we don't have to correct certain things because we just taught them what we wanted really important stuff on that so now let's let's just move on a little bit to something that belongs in every single dog's life everywhere and that is fundamental obedience and obedience is kind of a that's a harsh term you know it just sounds very dictatorial and to some people um, and what obedience it means that the dog listens and responds to you fits into the system of your life does the things agreeably with you that you need or want it to do if it's just walking taking a walk down the street that they do that if it's getting involved in uh, formal obedience or agility or all the things that dogs have or the field work or you want to master hunter field champion title four-time grandmaster whatever it is those things require that the dog work with you as a team believe in what you say and respond to you the the bottom line of all obedience is that they respond to you not because you are forcing them to respond to you by having them stare at the bacon bit in your mouth there's a place for all that stuff but I'm going to say fundamental dog ownership and having them and existing with them is not a case of bribery. It is a case of mutual benefit for both of you. You have a role and the dog has the role. And what you do in those situations is show them what their role is by having them carry out the role you want. For example, 
walking on a leash. Okay, I, I, this seems to be a great difficulty for a lot of people, and I now in my city life see it all the time. <laughs> I just going, oh my goodness, <laughs> I wish I could just take that dog for a moment. So what people do, and this is, you know, if you if you're if this is just more than you can do, or you're either old or weak or unable to do some of the things you need to do. I understand using a lot of tools to help you out. But ideally, if you can just earn it by engaging and working with the dog without having the restrictive this or that, the prong collar, all, all that stuff, um, I just use a, you know, a leash and a, actually on a young puppy, I use a fairly wide collar so there's not, and a, and a leash. When they get big, when their neck's strong enough and big, then I go to a large length uh, choke chain, not for choking, right? And I've, in all my years of dog training, which is numerous, I've never ever damaged, hurt an animal ever with it because I use it correctly. And if you use it correctly, just like those of people that use electric collars, if you use it correctly, you almost never have to use it. That's the goal of doing things right. So if you want a little puppy to walk with you on a leash, um, again, I don't use a harness because <clears throat> I'm doing all the work for the dog and I'm going to teach the dog to do the work. So I put the little collar and, the and, the, and a little leash on the dog and we go out for a walk. Not in the middle of 10,000 tempting things that are more interesting than me, but we go somewhere. They're on, I pick my left side generally, put them on my left side and I keep them there and we walk. And because it's a puppy, it's very easy to keep them with me and to keep them on the left side. And every time I have to do a little bit of a jerk to get them back over where I need them to be, I don't let them get very far. Again, I don't let them do the wrong thing. I keep them on my left side and I keep them with me. And I got the leash to do that. And I'm not correcting and I'm not barking out commands other than I say heal every time I do some kind of a pressure on that leash to get them where I want them. I say heal. Not over and over and over. Saying it over and over makes it background noise. And I get them walking on my, leash, uh, my side. Until pretty soon, that's what they think they do. And then, you know, then I can teach them to sit. I don't want little obedience champion. I want a dog that walks with me. With me. With me, not constantly. Pulling on it. Getting it back over here. Keeping it from running over there. It thinks, oh, when I'm with her, like Elsie does right now, I just walk with her doesn't matter what's going on anywhere else. I walk with her. That's ideal. Now, I make people mad out there because they go, oh, can our dogs play? You know, my answer is always no. <laughs> I'm not out here to play with your dog. We're out here to get my dog extended endurance exercise and to get out. So that's what we're doing. And my dog doesn't even see other dogs and think, oh, golly, I really want to go over there because that's not what we're doing. And she never, ever, ever knew that you did that. So it's not a thing. That's the easiest way to train dogs, people. <laughs> it's a, I like things easy. I don't like pressure. I don't like physical force. I don't like being frustrated and upset. So because I'm so much don't like that stuff, from day one, from moment one, I began to show them comfortably and easily by just presenting the opportunities for them to learn exactly what we need to do. There is no correction in that. There is no punishment. 
there's not even any, you know, the treat reward because this is your job. This is your thing. This is what we do. And it is the greatest pleasure. And, you know, we'll do it outside a lot because we like that. And sometimes if we have to do it inside a building, we'll do it there too. And again, no, no correction. Nope. I'm just showing them what I want. So when you are teaching young dogs or any dog something, begin with not very many things, which will be distracting to what it is you're trying to teach. And then as they understand your expectation of walking on a leash or sitting or whatever, you can slowly begin to introduce, um, you know, the presence of other dogs and other people slowly and until it becomes a non-thing, which is very easy to do. But again, it's not by correction. It's not by bribing. You know, I had somebody told me recently that their dog does really well with them. When they, uh, when they, you know, have a treat, that looking at them. And I was like, you know, I think they ought to just be paying attention to you because you're there together on a leash. That's, that's reason enough. And you don't have to bribe them or ask them to do it. They need to be there and they need to be responding to you. That's part of their job being the dog. So it's not like people, and this is, it's not like we're out there f for them to make their life spoiled, rotten, easy, whatever they want. I just serve you because that means you do all the work. That means you're the one there to please them and to continue to try and find ways to do that. I, I don't know that any of us has that in life and we're humans. So if it's a mutual thing, okay, we're going to go, we both need some exercise or we both need to get out or we both want to go do this, let's go do it. And I will be, carry out my role here with you and you carry out your role here with me. It's, it's that simple. And so similarly, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this, when we train more sophisticated things like the dogs that handle and the dogs that are steady, okay, it's... Uh, it's it's still the same way. If you show these dogs, this is what I, I want you to do. Without, and I'm going to use the retrieving thing as an example. Okay, now when we get to some more advanced kind of concepts, other than just let's, let's exist together well in a clean and agreeable environment, when you start asking more of them, right, you've got to take a couple more things into account because now we're getting kind of multi-level training and thinking and thoughts going, but you're talking about steadiness, steadiness on a retreat. Okay. That means they wait to be sent for something. Now for dogs retrieving, retrieving needs to be great, fun, pleasure, passionate, preferably where they just love it. All right. It needs to just be passionate. If you trying to make them be steady, begins to kill the passion and make them go, well, shoot, if you're going to get like this, I don't even want to go. Right? Now we're losing the purpose of this retrieving business. So we have to back off what is reducing the passion, get the passion back. And then on a slower basis, or maybe a little, when they're a little bit more mature, then we're going to go in and make them be steady. Okay. So you, when you get more advanced stuff, you need to start to balance things with the ultimate purpose of the specific behavior you're teaching. But let me say this in, in terms of avoiding always having to correct and punish and do all that stuff. Let's just use steadiness. 
So you start. You had your little ten-week-old puppy making them be steady, and they kind of started to lose interest in retrieving. So you went, "All right, I, can, I need to not do this." So you got the retrieving going again, not by doing ten thousand retrieves, but by doing three or four every day, and that's all. Therefore, making it really, really fun. And now, now the dog is four or five months old, and really kind of getting hard to handle, right? It's like, okay, I think it's time that we start steadying you up. All right, same philosophy here. Show them exactly what you want them to do. In other words, don't tell them to, to sit and stay there and then watch them break. Go, oh, man, I need to work on this. You let them break. That makes breaking okay. So same philosophy like that little puppy. So have them sit. I always hold on to the leash. I always put my foot on their tail, not stomping on it. But so if they do try to get up, I can just pressure down and keep their tail down. Now you got to do it when they're not 75 pounds and going to knock you over. You do it when you can. But in other words, you hold them in place. Maybe you hold one hand on their collar and one hand on their little rump. And you hold them there. And you wait until you say your name, their name to send them or whatever you send them on. Right? So now you're showing them exactly what to do and not letting them do the thing you don't want. And if you do that consistently and then begin to upgrade your demand, you can't just, I'll do all the holding. Now you're doing all the work. Once you've shown them what you want, you got to transfer the work back to them and make sure that they are doing what you want. But here's how you get through all this stuff and you teach this stuff without having to do all the correcting all the time because eventually they're going to forget and break and you're, you're going to have to you know, require that they sit uh, and there's all philosophy of that stuff. But I mean, then get them, make them, that's your mistake. If your dog broke on you when, because you were just expecting it to do the right thing, you're the one that made the mistake because you let them get away with it. You should have been more aware of your dog and what was going on. So I, we're getting to the end of this one. And so the same philosophy from that eight week old puppy that we don't want we want to teach not to pee on the rug by showing them exactly what to do right? is a really nice way of not having to go into the how do I correct this. That's why I think there's one philosophy out there I've heard a number of times. Reward them when they do what you want and ignore them when they don't. Well, I don't know. You'd take somebody like my brother. <laughs> he would have just... He would have done everything he wanted all the time. He didn't care about your reward, man. <laughs> he was just getting to do what he wanted. There's a lot of dogs like that. I don't see that philosophy working with anything ever. I'm sorry. Um, I like to just find their passion, show them what to do, give them their thing, teach them what our two roles are, be very, very consistent. And then I don't have to be getting after dogs at all. I don't have to worry about how to correct. I don't have to develop some kind of punishment thing. I don't even have a philosophy about it. I take my job very seriously to make sure that I have thoroughly educated these guys and they know what it is that they're supposed to be doing. So now when you get to the real advanced guys, I love this one. I love this one. My dog is not taking my cast uh, or my dog is, is, is popping on me on a blind. You know, they're doing all these bad things. How do I correct that? And again, there's a zillion reasons that that's happening. And without knowing what your history is on that and what you've done and what you've allowed that dog to do, either because you didn't know what to do or you just 
didn't want to do anything and thought, well, it'll get better with time. So when you have things like that, there's things in your days working that made that dog think that that was an option because they don't want you getting on the collar and screaming and yelling and whistling and doing all kinds of nasty things. They don't want that. So somewhere in there you've done things and the more you can figure that out, the better. And then you have to get some very good help when you've created a problem in the dog, which I'm going to say you, you did, uh, certainly not intentionally, you need to get some very wise help. It, and it's not like, all right, just crush them when they do this stuff. Don't get that help. Figure out what it is. Use some indirect pressure on Sid or some things like that to, to show the dog, hey, 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 no more. You know, I, I've been letting you do that and I can't let you do it anymore. There's some some understandable ways again indirect pressure on sits often good on a lot of things there's other deals we're not going to get into that right now but it's a thing that somewhere you allow to develop and you have to go back and unfortunately tell them i was wrong i shouldn't have let you do that i got to find the, the most understandable way to show you that and show you what it is that i want you to do so even on the most advanced things that's still what we're doing so i don't understand the the correction and the, uh, the arguments about stuff or the showing them who's boss stuff. I just don't get that because, man, again, probably because I'm not somebody you ever had to do that kind of stuff with as a human. And so I've always, if I always thought if somebody just understood what it took and explained to me what things are, I, I'll give you 100%. And most animals are that way. And there's some like my brother. And you got to be a little, you understand that and go, all right, but if that's how you want it, I'm going to make sure that I enforce that to a degree that you don't want me to keep doing it. So that way you stop the behavior and you do what I want. So it comes down to that. But at least think about stuff and given the treat or how do I correct really just makes you feel better about what you're doing. Doesn't really change very much. Go back to the source of the problem, which is what you've allowed or taught inadvertently. Work on that. Go back through there. Show the dog what you want. And don't let them do the wrong thing. Because every time you do that, thinking they'll figure this out, what you're doing is saying, yeah, it's okay. It's okay if you break. Yeah, it's okay if you pee over there. It's okay if you pull me all over the place. I don't have much time anyway. Let's hurry. Do your thing. If you, That's not a real good way to train dogs. But if you sit there and think about it and make sure that you provide the opportunities for your dog to do what you want. And again, I'm, let me throw this for all you puppy people. That boy, dogs jumping on people, is right there. Never let them learn that and then you won't have it. So quit picking up your little puppies and teaching them the best places up in your face. Because later that's where they're going to want to be. If you never let them do that, they don't know it's a thing much easier way to train a dog that's why i always tell everybody i don't have a get down command i do not have one because <laughs> there is no get up and so if you think about that i mean that sounds like a tough guy right that's not a tough guy it's a lazy guy that goes i don't even want to deal with that so they're never going to learn it and that's not very hard to do so that's today's getting close to christmas on this podcast um for those of you that are listening in real time I hope everybody is having a really good, healthy, safe year without some of the nasty germs and bugs that are going on around right now. But enjoy your dogs. 
just give it a little more thought. Take some time over Christmas to at least experiment with some of this stuff if you can. And uh, I hope everybody is healthy, happy, and I will be back next week.